Hi, this is Matt Bertuzzi, and you are listening to The Sassholes. Welcome to Sassholes, a show dedicated to issues within the software as a service industry. We are revenue ops with a edge. Huh. Jamie, Jason, KG, myself, Pete have a combined 100 years of making interesting decisions. Please subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Today, our guest is Matt Bertuzzi. He's wicked smart. Matt is the Director of Research and Ops for the Bridge Group. Bridge Group has spent the last two decades helping more than 400 B2B companies achieve more, more prospects, more pipeline, and more revenue. Matt runs the numbers behind the Bridge Group Research. He loves SDRAEAM processes, metrics, and technologies. He also wrote a book for Salesforce nerds called Lightning Sales Ops. Ooh. I, I, should, I don't even have one to – I should oh, – hold on. Hold we on, do. Right we'll, we, ju- <laughs> we, ju- we just put it right here. I found one. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, there you go. Lightning. We got Ukrainian colors today. Oh, oh well, it's- all right. Before we get to Matt, this episode is brought to you by NeuroNoodle. Hey, parents and athletes, get a doodle their noodle, which is a brain map before the season starts, so you have a baseline to compare to. You get a physical every year, right? We'll get a brain checkup now before the next season starts. Schedule an appointment now at neuronoodle.com. It takes only 20 minutes to get the data you need to get the peace of mind. Put your athlete on the field. KG. You pick on Jamie's back. Yeah, don't yeah. pick on me. No, yes. these jokes. And yes, I Pete. read the joke. It's so bad. Yes, Pete. Yes, Pete. Carney. Yeah, Pete. Yeah, Pete. What's brown and sounds like a bell? I don't know, Pete. Dung. Leave us some comments on our blog at sassholes.net. Hey, we got any shout outs? We, yes, that was awful. That was you could do better. Yeah, that was bad. That was one are you, of say, the are you saying it was shitty? Does, it was shitty? <laughs> does not meet expectations. Uh, congratulations to Justin Hyden for being promoted to senior strategic account executive at ZipRecruiter. Congratulations to Tom Christensen, who used to be uh, in marketing at ZipRecruiter for starting as a at a new position at vice president of marketing at Encore. And uh, congratulations for Clay Cooper, one of my buds. I trusted him a lot at uh, at ZipRecruiter. I know. Look at Jamie. There it is. Harney, uh, hey, congratulations, for, for, Clay Cooper. That or something. <laughs> you, you're the absolute. These people you're giving a shout out to, you're typing this in right now. They're going to say, why don't we get our pictures up? Because yeah, Carney's putting it in right now. Seven I minutes put the other stuff in earlier today. Let's oh, anyway. Congratulations to Clay Cooper. We'll leave it at this for starting as a new position as senior account executive at Crexy. He used to be at ZipRecruiter, one of my favorites. That's it. Love for me. All right. Gee, Carney, you got anybody? My shout outs. One is to People AI. We had our RKO, which is the revenue kickoff last week. In person in San Diego. So I got to meet everybody for the first time. It was awesome. Uh, if, you, if you're not doing in-person meetings, it's it's life-changing compared to what we've been doing. Zoom calls are kind of rough. 
Uh, April Ray Buenaventura for starting a new position as a senior revenue analyst at Genesis. She's great. Uh, I know her sister very well. She was working on my team over at Flexera. Chris Lee, uh, former uh, sales trainer over at CB. Uh, he just started a position as national account executive at Zip Recruiter. Uh, and then I got to give a shout out to KG. We had dinner last week and it was awesome in LA. Um, we had a great time at what was the name of the restaurant? Firefly. Firefly. I highly recommended. We had steak frites and sent a picture to Pete and made him jealous. Sure. Turn, turns out Jamie likes Brussels sprouts. He ate the whole. Oh yeah, order. I love Brussels sprouts. Two appetizers yeah. of Brussels sprouts, and he ate all of them. I, I, mean, I ate one whole appetizer myself. In Cali, don't in L.A. Don't you see kale? Anyways, Brian, nice that you guys had a good time together. You guys are cute. All right, Brian Remillard being promoted director of sales at Barcodes. Megan Shine, six years at Barcodes. This is a Barcodes wow. week. Matt Gaines, Enterprise Sales Director at Mediafly. Way to go, my friend. Okay. KG, how do you know Matt? How do we get him on the show? This is a wicked smart guy. But you know what, Matt? Now I want to think it's like it's been over 10 years that I think I've known you. So I I knew I learned about the Bridge Group long ago as an inside sales, you know, leader. The Bridge Group is, I mean, Bar none, the marquee go-to-market inside sales, SDR, AE consultancy that's out there. They've helped many of my friends and customers. And Matt, uh, Matt, I, I love what Matt does. Matt works on like the data and the research and they publish such good stuff. And so Matt and I have developed a longstanding uh, relationship, mainly because uh, the CEO of the Bridge Group kept yelling at me, KG, Stop hitting our farms. Just, you know, you look like a just email. Yeah. I mean, just you want data? Go just email Matt directly. So I got in trouble. So Matt and I have developed a very close relationship because uh, he has good data or data, as they say on the East Coast. They say data. <laughs> we That's do. Agenda right. and data. It's a thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and donkeys, so, uh, right? Donkeys. That's the uh, Dunkin' Donuts. If, <laughs> I know I had guys from Boston that would go get coffee and they would go to Dunkin' Donuts, Donuts and say, I'd like a large regular, which means sugar and cream. Of course. And if they said, do you want sugar and cream with that? They'd say, you're not a donkeys, and they'd leave. <laughs> ah, hey, 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 Carney, go a foot away from the mic, please. You're blowing out his fucking ears. <laughs> he finally got his You're the absolute fucking worst. Uh, <laughs> I even have the worst microphone or the, uh, the worst. Right, right. Keep it right there. Keep it right All there. Right. Oh, All my right. God. All right. Can we focus on that for a second? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so man, what's your background, man? Yeah, you got so, KG sent us this PDF of a report that's just hot off the presses. I mean, it's not even a real; it's a it's a draft. You got to put great. Pete, you got to put some of that, uh, um, some of your magic, and do like. Oh yeah, breaking news! I mean, it's sizzling. Yeah, typos, whatever, but the data's right. Give us your background, and we want to deep dive into this thing head first. Sure. Please tell us about yourself, Matt. So I went to school for international studies. I I learned Russian literature, 19th century Russian literature was my my concentration, which I easily parlayed into. I worked for Marriott for a bunch of years. Then I was an SDR, an AE, a product manager, and then I joined the Bridge Group uh, as a consultant. I was actually carrying a bed, flying around doing consulting work. And then I've 
started doing this, this data stuff because clients wanted a lot of benchmarking and it's hard to like mentally organize anecdotes and it's much easier to do systematic data collection and synthesis. And then that's what this report is. So this report is version eight of our AE research, which I just was, we were just talking about the 2007 version was maybe a third of the takers were inside. So there was like channel inside in field and the average uh, ACV for an inside rep in 07 was like 16 K. Like that was, that was big doings back then. And then, so this, the AE side and the SDR side are every other year for us. So we switch back and forth. So this year, 2022 is the AE side. And what you have on your hands is the pre-release of the SAS report. So it's focused on 253, I think, SaaS companies, 90% North America, uh, maybe 80% above 5 million in revenue, ACVs all over the place, some, you know, one, two, 3,000 a year, some 100, 150,000 plus a year. So what mm-hmm. we try to do is figure out what has changed over time, where are we, and what matters for different ACVs. Because a company is a company is a company, but if no matter what, if you're selling 100 grand, 100K ACV, it doesn't matter if you're five million or five billion. Like that's a very unique market segment, and you care about peer benchmarks in that area. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to set up a team, I mean, you want to justify budget and your numbers and outcomes. I mean, this this stuff is golden. Now, I don't want to. We're worried about boring people going through a PowerPoint <laughs> presentation, but the the data just jumps off the page. I mean, I wouldn't mind, you know, going through, you know, the slides. We can gloss over some of this stuff, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's really, you know, we're. I, I saw it this morning, and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to pick out the slides that I want, and I wound up putting like a dozen in there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. there's a ton. There's a ton. Well, why, Pete, why don't you start screen sharing at slide nine? Here, go ahead. That- yeah. You want me to do it? Yeah. No, have Matt do it. His All right, stuff. Matt, you, you do you, it. Slide nine. This is marketing contribution by revenue, which while you're pulling that up, Matt, this is a question that I get from my clients again and again and again, which is <clears throat> how much should marketing be, you know, be, you know, generating and contributing to the pipeline or, or revenue? You know, how much should be AE generated? And, you know, and this, this is fantastic. And of course, Matt, you've done a great job by breaking it down by ACV. So share your screen and let's do it, man. So yeah, so so this is the question, right? It's like how much should market so so it should be a fair bit is the answer. Um, as companies grow, it is harder, it's harder for Salesforce to source a third of, you know, uh, pipeline than it is for somebody who's a series A. So at the ACV level is actually where it's really interesting. I think a lot to do with like unit economics, right? Like the cost of customer acquisition with humans at that lowest, lowest ACV is, mm-hmm. is very high. So you, you try to feed them as much as one can. But That's right. so if we said of all the companies, roughly a third, 33% would be the median response. So 50% above, 50% below. Yeah. And then it falls as revenues rise. It falls as revenues rise and it falls contribution marketing contribution falls as ACV rises or as annual contract value rises. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we actually do, one thing we do in this report is we look at what we call high growth companies, top quintile. So we segment all revenues and then we ask them their growth rate. So the top 20% top quintile are high growth. Then you get the mid range and the bottom quintile, bottom 20% are laggards, no difference. So, so marketing, a high marketing contribution does not necessarily, is not statistically significantly different between high growth companies and laggards. Who's yeah, your responder here? Say again. Who's your? Am I not loud now? 
No, no, you're, gonna, oh, you're, you're good. Perfect. Sorry, you, you you are absolutely perfect. All right, I'm sorry, um, but who is your uh, who's your respondent on this question? Is AE, it the, AE leadership. So it's AE. that's an excellent point. It's what AE leadership says. Not marketing. Not marketing. Okay, that's interesting. Yes. Okay, because you know how that would be. If it was a marketing person, they're going to be like. I did 130% because they're not good at math. I contributed 130% of the revenues. And if you ask, like, if you ask a sales rep, there's only two reasons for wins and losses. One is superior salesmanship and two is price. Like I lost because of price and I won it because I'm amazing. Like that's, yeah. that's my win-loss analysis. <laughs> well, would it be yeah. price or bad lead by marketing? <laughs> that's another one. That's yeah. true. There's two bad leads. Yeah. yeah. Never them. All right. So, so the other component to what makes up an AE's pipeline generally is sales development support. Are they supported by SDRs, you know, XDRs, whatever you call them nowadays. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is actually a lot. Like it didn't used to be the case that eight out of 10 AE groups were supported by SDRs. There was a time we were all alive. I mean, it it may seem like ancient history to somebody who who graduated in the last five years, but SDR support wasn't always a thing. And now eight Mm -hmm. out of 10 groups, you're going to, you're going to, if you're an AE, you're going to be supported by SDRs. I 100% agree with that. Like 10 years ago, people just started saying maybe we should have some people set appointments before they are allowed to run appointments. We didn't really classify them as SDRs. I think the biggest problem we have now is where do SDRs live in marketing or in uh, the revenue organ? What are you seeing from that component? Does it, does it help SDR support Mm -hmm. percentages based on if they're in marketing or in revenue or does it matter? So we have seen pretty consistently that it's like, let's say 75, 25 sales, 75% report to the sales organization. The, when it flips is if it's an inbound SDR group, it's generally something marketing stood up and the, it's a problem that you understand. Marketing generating all these leads, sales saying they're not good, right. they suck. And marketing is saying, fine, we'll, we'll build our own appointments then. So they just grow the organization themselves, build their own appointment, uh, appointment setting organization. And that works generally pretty well. Like if, if you have a marketing leader who, who likes these reps, who wants to deal with early career sales reps, they will make it work. If you have a marketing leader who doesn't want to deal with them day to day, no mm-hmm. care feeding, like it, it doesn't matter where they report. If their leader, like if the, the functional leader, the skip leader doesn't like them, it's not going to be successful. So you put them where you put them where you can do care and feeding. And just to care add, and feeding. I, I feel like that's a huge component there. You said 75% live in the rev org, 25% live in marketing. Mm-hmm. And it could work out pretty well if that marketing person is focused on it. But I really believe that that's where revenue operations really comes into play as opposed mm-hmm. to sales operations. Revenue operators are supposed to break down the silos. And so regardless of where the SDR lives, even though I believe it lives in the rev org, mm-hmm. The rev ops person should be focused on the buyer journey and the customer journey, and they should be helping break down these silos and looking at this data. Absolutely. So I think that's fascinating in what you just said. And a lot, a lot of the challenges, uh, you wouldn't believe how hard it is in big orgs to have CRM, Salesforce, what have it be, small changes that will be huge productivity boons for SDRs, like how hard it is to get that through the cycle. It's because it's like they're just SDRs. Are they really, is this that critical? But if they do something 50 times a day, saving, saving a few clicks is, is like meaningful to their, to their lives. I know a tool that helps with that. Oh, good to know. All right. So we have, we have marketing contribution to pipeline. Coincidentally, it's roughly about a third too of sales development contribution to pipeline. 
right? Mm-hmm. So we're so that leaves a third for mm-hmm. other stuff. And again, similarly or inversely, as ACVs rise, sales development support rises, which makes sense. It's you, you don't see a lot of hundred k sellers out there spending half their week setting their own appointments. Totally um, logical. Yeah, totally makes, logical. Makes perfect sense. So one thing we actually did notice difference between high growth and laggards is in the nature both the proliferation of SDR groups and the nature. So you can see the light blue here is no SDR support. So it's not every high growth company has SDRs because there are high growth companies that sell 5K ACV. They might not have SDRs. Mm-hmm. But the, the laggards are twice as likely to not have SDRs. And those that do have uh, SDRs have an outbound component. This chart, actually, I'm going to clean up later because outbound might mean outbound and inbound. Mm-hmm. Whereas inbound only, so inbound only is a, sm- a small slice. Like if you're, if you're a company and you only have an inbound SDR group, there's something else in your motion that allows that to happen. You can't just wake up and say we're going to have inbound only SDRs. Mm-hmm. Like you, I can't make that happen. There, ha- you have to do something to get those leads to somebody. Yeah, and this, and so is the action item on this one. <clears throat> if you want to increase your growth, add uh, some form of SDR, or does this happen to be just? you know, correlated, but not causated. I mean, it's most certainly the latter from a, from a stats perspective, mm-hmm. but from a first principles logic perspective, if you want to grow faster, going and finding people versus waiting for them to come to you, seems mm-hmm. like it makes sense. Yeah. What's that famous quote from Trish? If, uh, you know, inbound marketing is you get, get what, what you, you get. get. <laughs> yes. But outbound prospecting is you get what you want. Right, which, which I, I I think I tattooed that onto my arm a long ago. Um, that's right. That's true. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But there, but there's an important caveat to this, uh, you know, Matt, and and I think that people, I think that think that SDRs are panacea, and mm-hmm. it's just let's go hire some kids out of college and put them on the phone and see what we, see what we get, and that's not appropriate for certain motions, especially as you've shown in the, shown in the data. If you have a five thousand dollar ACV. SDRs might not be the right right thing to do. And number two, if you use the right, I love the phrase you use, care and feeding. If you don't have a sales or a marketing leader that is into care and feeding, mm-hmm. your SDR team is going to fail. So low, so SDRs are not panacea for every scenario. But boy, if you if you're high growth and you fit it, have a decent ACV, you better you better have it, uh, SDRs as opposed to paying what some of the comp data we'll see later. Yeah. for appointment setters. I think to add to Kevin's point, boards are always asking do more with less. That's why SDRs are there because you can do more with less, you know, in terms of comp and the compensation stuff, have, have people cut their teeth as an SDR because it'll be cheaper for you to acquire. Never mistake activity for accomplishment, my friends. Uh That's also true. I think, I think that's the point. Like, It's become so now that eighty percent of companies have these, or eighty percent of AE groups are supported by them. We forgot like what's the the reason, like the the reason behind SDRs, and it's the reason is if I have ten AEs and they can close eight million on their own prospecting on their own, or if I have ten AEs and they can close twelve million and it costs me only marginally more, the latter is better. Mm-hmm. It's about levering up the productivity per AE head. That's right. There has to be a return on that investment. I yeah. thoroughly agree there. So which, which also, which leads us to the next one. Uh, th- although it may become, it may be surprising to 
Reddit users, like r slash sales on Reddit, AEs actually do have to do their own prospecting. Like a lot of SDRs, at least on the, the subreddits, don't know that or don't believe it. And then once they make that promotion, they are shocked to learn that you have a territory and you don't get 100% of your pipeline sourced by, by other people. So this darker, this, this darkish green is AE self-sourced. And these are ACVs. You can see it's relatively consistent. Yeah. High, high 20s, low 30s. You, you, you have a bag and it's your job to fill it with pipeline. Yeah. Who's talking that low? Yeah. So again, these are, these are AE leaders in a time where a lot of money is spent in marketing and sales development. So yeah, it's that's still, great. it's still notable. And the darker, the darker shade here is channel or other. I don't, I can't imagine what other is, but people pick other. Bluebirds. <laughs> Referrals. I don't Referrals, know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Although so every AE would say I self-source that my, my charisma. My yeah, charisma. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Punks. Yeah. That's excellent. Let's, yeah. Let's, actually, AE leadership is reporting this. I'm shocked they reported only, you know, 26 to 31%. I would think they would say, I did all of this and the SDRs did none of it. So the trick is you don't ask people explicitly. You, you, you ask the numbers and then you do the math yourself. I think that's ah, how it it's, a survey, yeah. <laughs> it's a survey trick. Yeah. Because if you asked me directly and I was an AE, I'd probably be like, the SDRs did nothing nor did marketing. Yep. I did it all on my own. Yeah. Well, this, this next one, Matt, is great. I, I, I get this one all the time. And if we're going to talk about specialization on SDRs, well, then let's talk about the backside. So yeah. what, what do you got here? All right. So the backside is the triple, the triply specialized. We have the, the, the opportunity creator, the opportunity closer, and then who does expansion? Who does renewal expansion? Who goes, who goes forth from the first signature? So I think it's maybe easier to look at it this way. Yeah. So who owns expansion and who owns renewal? Uh, and this, these all add up to hundred percent. Don't check my math. I'll check it later, but dark green means that's where the, the big pairings are. So a deal is closed. Those are called AEs. When do they, if the AE owns renewal and expansion, that's, that's the minority 14%. More common is the, is that the AM, an AM owns renewal and an AM owns expansion. So you by pure logic, you know, an AM is somebody who owns renewal and expansion, mm-hmm. or you could say, or you can call them CSMs. So that's, sexier i don't know mm-hmm. it's functionally they own they have the same job but they're more about success which is great who doesn't want yeah, to i don't know if they do because ams to me are renewal reps and that means they're purely there to sell while the csms might not have a quota at all and might be there to handle questions and make sure users are using the product correctly but you're, you don't want sometimes in in certain life cycles you don't want the csms to have a quota because you don't want that to be a a sales function yeah. for the client. 100%. I mean, you can see that like the, the, the CSM owning renewal and expansion is a, is a vast minority. Or, so it's 80% don't do that. Um, I agree. It's, I don't know why. I'm not afraid of sales. I don't think it's bad, but I know there's a belief that you don't want the success people and the sales people being, being the same. I'm not sure where that comes from, but it's definitely a thing. It's just a fear that it comes off wrong. Look at you lose, you lose the, <laughs> it should. At the same time, everyone should be selling. You're, you're, it's a team, sales is a team sport. So I don't care if you don't comp someone on it, everyone's selling no matter yeah, what. 100%. But these I think robot, like, these I think robots people better. want to, want to be in sales, but don't want any of the risk. <laughs> I love this slide though, Matt. This is, uh, this is fantastic. Yeah, I think I it's mean, great. 
And I then mean, the, this, uh, is, this is pure, pure logic, right? Like when you pay for renewals, you, you probably pay, you probably pay less. I mean, that's not, that's not unreasonable. When you pay for expansion, sometimes you pay the same. That's essentially what this says here. Um, actually not there, but trust me, it's later on. So the, the most expensive dollar from a cost to acquire is always the first dollar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you pay if it's hard and difficult, you have to pay a lot to get more of it. That's, that's the nature of, com- of, of commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's renewal and expansion. So, so these are like triple teams or triple, triply specialized. So who triply specializes? Uh, a lot of companies mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a lot mm-hmm. of ACVs, right? Like we were just talking yeah. about how yeah. not everybody below five, five K has SDR group, but still 55% of that cohort a lot will, tri- will triply specialize. Mm-hmm. So it's, Again, it's like, is it table stakes? Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. specialization is key, Matt. Like, look, yeah. you, you know, there, there isn't a, you know, Pete was a football player, right? And so, you know, Pete was on one side of the line. Mm-hmm. They didn't put him on both sides of the lines because he had to get good on, on, on the one yeah. side that he was, he was good at, you know. And, played both ways. Keep yeah. going. Oh, geez. <laughs> you played Iron Man? Yeah. Yeah. Very impressive. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but the specialization is, uh, is, is key. I mean, yeah. you know, you don't have somebody building a, a Ford truck these days who does all everything along the assembly line, there's specialization and you get better at it and more efficient when you get good at that one move or two moves, yep. um, you know, tech stack. This is everybody's favorite. Like everybody likes to start not with their model or motion, but with their technology, it's more fun. It's more cool. Definitely. But there, everyone is uh, using more tools than they used to. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. like for sure. So mm-hmm. I think we started like, so we CRMs, this base you can't yeah. not so that's that's you get zero for that i think it used to be csm or crm plus data so you had that was two tools mm-hmm. and then it became three uh the 2020 report was four was the median and now the median's five so half of companies use five or more tools so i can math here yeah 36 percent of companies use six or more tools plus crm that's crazy it's a lot All that crazy. drunken tool fatigue <laughs> Yeah, but it's a lot though. You know, and that's... Confetti, sorry. Yeah. And, okay. And then, so this is, I mean, I'm a huge Jeffrey Moore like fan. I think his work's yeah. pretty good. And like crossing the chasm was a big deal. Fun fact, mm-hmm. Trish, mm-hmm. who's founder of the bridge group, the bridge was meant to me like bridging the chasm. So that's where the actual name comes from. That's, I didn't know that's that. your Jeopardy, Jeopardy question. I didn't know that. Yeah. So this is, so these are tools that people use laid over the adoption uh, lifecycle curve. So innovators, early adopters, the chasm, early, late majority, and laggards. So you can see like the easy one is like paying LinkedIn money is definitely in the late majority stage. A lot of people pay LinkedIn money, uh, whether it's premium or sales navigator or what have you. But not if they're early on. No, 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 not if, exactly. It it gets expensive quickly. So yeah, if you're, if you're young, and I think with this data, I exclude any companies under 5 million in revenue just Mm because there's just some, there's budget constraints. So it's, it's unfair to include them. Mm-hmm. But one that absolutely blew up over the last few years is calendar scheduling oh, for scheduling. AEs. Yeah. I mean, it moved from like here to here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, so, so similarly for sales engagement, it was always, not always, it was big with SDRs, but it used to be a little more piecemeal. Like it was like email tracking was first for AEs. Like, did they open my email? that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Then it was calendar. And now it's like, well, maybe if I had a reminder to send them another email or do another call and that sales yeah. engagement, I was gonna say the new, the new stuff, I was trying to figure out like what's, what has yet to 
across the chasm. So this is the stuff I think is most interesting. Mm. Advanced CRM updating. Like, do you know the tools like Dooley? Um, people, people.ai. People.ai is an amazing example. Yeah. Um, That's where I work. Uh, <laughs> I did. I didn't know that actually. I hadn't put not it together. For, not, for, not for long with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Like, I was raising my hand going, all right, come on, let's get out there. <laughs> noted noted analytics if i throw a boston company out there but yeah like that kind of stuff is not widely adopted but it makes perfect sense and same with like it like advanced sales forecasting meaning more than you get out of your base your, not not base crm but your your crm of choice yeah i mean personally i know this space inside and out but if you're writing back you know like to me i always look at it this way if you're writing back to Salesforce activity that your reps are doing, one, you're freeing up 10 to 15% of their day mm-hmm. because you're writing back their activity to the opportunity and account level. So you're saving them money. Then all the data and all the tools that happen upstream from this work better. Yeah. Because the underlining data needs to be fixed for the for the tools to work in a lot of cases. And people AI, I'm not going to say any other names, but people AI is going to fix your underlining data problem, which will then make all your tools work better uh, for you without you lifting a finger. We're watching it. Hopefully, you know, hopefully you'll cross a chasm. All those, all those options will turn. We won't, you won't even talk to me anymore. You'll be so wealthy. You'll be off, yeah. off in an island someplace. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll buy an island for the sassholes. All right. All right here, here, we so go. here we go. Here's something I really want to talk about. Uh, the COVID stuff. I'm, I'm like, y'all, I'm over COVID. Let's, let's get back in person, but. Uh, companies haven't decided yet. That's the thing, at least of, as of November, December, January, when we really like October, November, December, January, when we were really getting the most results. Companies hadn't decided like we're hiring remote now. Sometimes we're hiring like close to the office, like, mm-hmm. re- like locally remote. And then there's some degree of, I don't know, man, we're remote now, but the future's unknowable. So I think that's pretty, I mean, you can see there's pretty good consistency across all revenue bands of companies not knowing who, where their next AE hire is going to be. I find this to be shocking, personally. I would think everyone would be blended. I think uh, COVID has given us an excuse to go find labor uh, across yep. the country as opposed to in your area. Yep. And therefore, we have a labor shortage. So companies should say, I'm going to find the best talent at the best price, no matter where they're located. I agree. I agree. I, th- I think the challenge is the company like, culture, the company culture, or like the reach out and strangle somebody. Like you want to naturally <laughs> be able to do that with your reps, <laughs> which I and think I- is why in person, like RKOs and quarterly in person. And, and spe- if you're going to do that blended approach, you got to have in the budget company wide uh, meetings every quarter or every six months so that you can all get together and be like oh my god like I, I i i'll tell you this posting all this stuff on linkedin all these people you know you see all these remote kickoffs mm-hmm. and then you see the posts about people ai's uh in-person kickoff and i'm like it's getting so much more fanfare because people are just like you did this in person yeah. you know how great as opposed to somebody showing a picture of how they did their kickoff with their dog in their lap yeah it's like, uh, was, it, was it like Celebrity Squares? Like, that's what all those Zooms look like to me now. Yeah, yeah. they do. Brady Bunch, right? <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so this, who knows what the future holds, but yeah, 
it, we're still is, not this, there yet. People aren't, no, we haven't, they haven't picked us out of the fence yet. That's right. And I, and I think that, you know, the tagline out of this becomes, it's not true when, when somebody says everybody's gone remote, it's not true. There's 25 to 50% of companies respondents in this mm-hmm. survey that are still local to the, you know, to the office. And I know for a fact, there are some candidates that are like, especially the younger ones, I want to be in the office. I want to get to new, build out my network and get to know people in the, in the office, which, you know, was a little bit surprising to me because I'm the old guy. who was like, I don't want to commute anymore, but, right. uh, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's right. So it's not true to say that everybody has gone remote. It's just, it's not true. There's some that are blended and some that are fully remote. Yep. Um, so we'll see what um, the summer although, was. I, although I did that wrong, didn't I? It was like blended is like a lot. It's there's, there's what five, I'm saying five to 10% are local, local only. So it's not everybody, but it's declining. But do I read this chart? Right. 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 I mean, so blended is the biggest, but that's a, is that a choice or is that a, what else are we going to do? Yeah. Right. Like local to offices is a choice. You can, you can say never COVID never, never met them. You're coming in. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But blended is kind of the default, I would think. Yeah. There you All go. Right. So here's, here's the one yes. on the SDR side. On the SDR yes. side, we have seen declining, declining seniority. So SDRs used to be early sales career, but not early career career. Mm-hmm. And when I say, I mean, this is over a decade ago. It would be someone, not with as many gray hairs as me, but closer. Hmm. And over time, SDR, ten, or SDR experience prior to hire declined. This is the first year we've really seen it on the AE side. Hmm. Um, it is down 42% or this is actually different. It's, it's down. It doesn't seem significant, but average experience is down to 2.7 years from three years. It doesn't seem like a ton, but that's a lot of sales numbers. It's a lot mm-hmm. of that's a quarter, steel cycles. Right? Yeah, right. It's, it's the number of at-bats on average you're <clears> down. So when you look at this by ACV, kind of everyone has shifted their distribution of required experience to the left, right? So it's everyone is over, you know, before the black bars were a little wider, the darker bars were a little wider. Now the light bars are a lot wider. Yeah. So why is this happening? Well, number one, there is a, it's not as popular on LinkedIn, but there is a great resignation. That's actually a great retirement. People 55 and over are just piecing out. Mm-hmm. Their, their labor force participation is down. So which frees up senior enterprise AE roles. So everybody's moving up, which leaves early career people are the only people left SDRs or maybe not even SDRs. Maybe somebody who was working. I think a great example is like a working the kiosk at the mall. That's right. They can become, they can become a junior AE with not a, with not a ton of care and feeding. Mm-hmm. They're already not afraid of getting yelled at. So let's get them on the phones. They'll do great. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. So everybody is, is moving up, which means average experience is going down. Now the other, the flip side of that, which is logical is you say, well, I'm sure we can get the same productivity with more junior reps. No, of course you can't. Your inputs are different. Your outputs are going to be different. So ramp time's a little longer. Not a big deal. Tenure's a lot shorter because people are flipping Can you go jobs. back to the ramp time? Sure. So uh, ramp time, ramp right now is yeah, 5.3 ra- months. Okay. 5.3 months, which is not terrible. It's actually pretty good when you, when you, when you think about it, but that's average. The, 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 the issue is the tenure... So 5.3 months is good. We're getting, we're getting better. We're more efficient. We're bringing in younger hires. We're very much, much more efficient at getting them to quota or getting them off ramp. 
one, one is a, a decision and one is a fact. So let's say we're getting them off ramp. That's a decision we make. But their tenure is way down. And the reason tenure is down is because people are leaving. People are taking the step up because that's where the money is. That's what they want to do. There's a lot more opportunities now. People are poaching quite viciously. Like this is, I thought 2018, 2019 was pretty crazy. Yeah. This, this is, this is crazier. People are, are really, really poaching. People are jumping jobs for great opportunities at a, at a pretty high rate. Mm-hmm. So if ramp time is better, which is good, and average experience is down, and tenure's down, productivity is shorter. Yeah. So we are down from 26 months at full productivity. So when you get off ramp to when you get promoted to somebody else's team or go to a different company, it used to be 26 months. Now it's 22. Like you said, that's a quarter. Mm-hmm. So you're mm-hmm. buying that rep and you're getting a quarter less out of them. Yeah. You know? It's like it's like productivity inflation. It doesn't, doesn't get you what, the buck doesn't get you what it used to. You know, what's fascinating is all that stuff you said, how people are, the great resignation. I almost think it's not as much the great resignation as it is. Everyone's on a Zoom call. Everyone has a mentality of there's no culture. There's no way I'm connecting. I, the switching costs, like you do with SaaS products, switching costs are usually difficult. The switching costs are a lot less because I'm Zooming with my one company Tomorrow I can be zooming with a different company. I don't, have, I don't have a lot of engagement. I mean, that's not. it. And it, another piece, like the actual cost of interviewing has gone down a lot. Like yeah. if you were in an office, you had to have a doctor's appointment. Yeah. <laughs> you had like, wow, you had a lot of doctor's appointments in the last two weeks. Are you okay? Yeah. You know, that's not a thing anymore. Now you can just say COVID and you're out for five days. And <laughs> yeah. So truly this, like the switching costs are low and people are being pinged constantly. The, the flip side of the, the people leaving is that obviously the annual attrition numbers are up and it is up in one direction. It is up in the voluntary direction. So this is 20, 2020 is the lighter color. 2022 is the darker color. Involuntary, meaning involuntary by the rep. We, we said, this is not a good fit. We're letting you go. Voluntary saying, this is not a good fit. I'm leaving. Uh, ah. and, this, and this excludes internal promotions because like that's not really either. And it just yeah. muddies the numbers. Yeah. So total Where attrition is up. The way I interpret this is we're holding on to people that we probably would have let go before because of the environment and people that are great are leaving quicker um, and we can't backfill them. So we're holding yeah. on to people. I mean, if 32% basically is a third, it's a third of your team. It means if I took a three year sabbatical and I came back, I wouldn't recognize a single person on the team. Probably. Yeah. How do you grow? Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's reasonable. Some teams are, some teams are a hundred percent. I mean, that's just the nature of, Sure. Their, their pay, their culture, or they are willing, their model doesn't matter. That works for them. They can do it. They can do hundred percent turnover. <laughs> In the SaaS world, if you have a complicated product to sell and it's hard to sell, you're going to have a hard time retaining people when you're up against an easier product to sell. Um, so yeah. sometimes you're just going to lose based on the products you're selling. It's tough, right? Like, do you know, the old, um, they call the three T's of like sales success is like talent, timing territory and now it's like team right like that's how you're successful everything's yeah. talent but obviously timing is big you know like i think it's easier to make your number q1 2022 than q2 2020 probably right like the world hasn't frozen and then your territory is also your product really right like you're selling x into y and then your team do you have SDR support do you have to do 80 percent of your 
pipeline yourself or do you have to do 20%? This is where I get in trouble. There, there's a lot going on that says X, 50% of reps aren't hitting their number. That, that may be true, but it's missing over what time period? Over this month, it's more than 50%. Over this quarter, maybe. Over a year, meh, maybe, maybe not. Doesn't I would it, say- Doesn't it also impact if you're a, a pure hunter versus a blend? 100% right, yes. Like a rep is not a rep is not a rep. But I so- think- Two, two-thirds, my data, what I've seen, and I've, I've mapped out the distributions, is two-thirds of reps will hit their number in a given group, right, in, a, in, in an average group. That's, a, to me, not a bad number. I don't oh, think yeah. – I don't like, – oh, yeah. listen, I don't think that the rep who hit, the, hit 98% of their number on the year is a, is a POS, and the rep who hit 102% is a god. Like, they're not mm-hmm. any – they're the same rep. It's a rounding. Mm-hmm. It's one deal. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. get so hung up on a night. If a 98% miss is that different than a 102% hit? Like it's just, yeah. it's just the nature of math. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you also no, take it, a third of that and then you take half of those people and you put on plan the other half, you try to coach. Yeah, it's true. Right? That's sort of the math, right? Right. Right. Yes. Not, not everybody's a fit for every role mm-hmm. and not everybody who just misses is materially different than somebody who just hit. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so I think quota attainment is staying the same. I know people are saying 50% of reps are missing the number. I think they are. I just think the time period is not a meaningful one, right? It's like yeah. you, you, the, the scoreboard, the clock is still running. Don't, don't, don't call it out yet. Game's not over. So comp, comp is up. I knew his comp was going to be up, right? Sure. I, I was like, of course, how's it not going to be up? And I was like, it'll be up a little bit, two, 3%, maybe 4%. No, it's a big, it's up real big. OTs, OTEs are up 5%. Mm-hmm compounded for over a decade this isn't in one year this is compounded over a decade that's a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the median ote in our 2007 report <laughs> i looked at it was under 100 it was 99k then it was 105 ah. 105 and 22 it's 167 today crazy but distributionally it's like six-figure otes ain't what they used to be exactly it's like table stakes 96 percent of our respondents ote was over 100k and they're almost 30 percent are over 200k yeah and you're and what you're bringing back some of the other slides two and a half 2.7 years of experience yep and it's like yeah two and a half two two point year 2.7 years of experience and boom you should be making over 100k period end of story which is why I don't believe anybody who says sales isn't the best profession in the game. I mean, ah, there you go. Right. There you go. I appreciate the it. choir here. You guys made great decisions by going into a revenue. Good job, everybody. Oh my Seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's something. It's, it's truly something. You know, I say this, um, when you're in the rev org, it's not a wallet. It's an ATM. Cause when things are going bad, they're not going to divest from the rev org unless that company, if they are, you better run from that company. Yeah. They're going to invest when things are bad, maybe a little bit more strategic and maybe pull back on some things, but they're going to invest in the Rev Org. And when things are going well, the Rev Org is given a blank check and said, just don't mess it up. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, look, but look at that. I mean, basically 100%. If you're not paying your AEs over 100K, you're just not competitive. There's your action item. Take yeah. that, smoke it, pipe it. <laughs> Right. I don't care what anyone says. Sales is the toughest job in the entire business. You're on the front lines battling. Yes. And I think 
I think the first line sales leader just got even tougher because now you're dealing with higher attrition, shorter, younger reps. They had less at bats, less, less managers, uh, shorter time of productivity. Yep. Comp is way up yep. and quotas are uh, quotas. Uh, my, let me say it this way. Inflation adjusted quotas are down from last year. That's the C, that's some, that's something where the CFO visits the the sales leader more than they'd like. Uh-huh. And I would yeah. say, can you go say over this. what? How many sales leaders do you need? The oversight. Oh sure, yeah. So it's uh, and, and while we're getting to that, I think one thing really point to point out there is enablement is great, but enablement really is driven by the frontline sales leader, right. and a lot of people forget that you need to enable the frontline sales leader to continue your message after you have those onboarding classes. Absolutely right. It's like it's. I think frontline leaders are probably the most important uh, job in a sales org. Not Pete. Frontline <laughs> leaders. Yeah, fair enough. So distribution of uh, it's it's roughly one first line leader to seven reps, seven AEs, and I say leader because depending on your organization, if you're small, your sales manager might be a VP of sales or a CRO. Who knows? T- titles titles also have received inflation over the recent years. Um, but it's generally somewhere between five and seven reps per first line leader. And that's a, that's a full-time job. And that's a bigger full-time job when you're also a 40, 50, 60% recruiter, like a lot of rep managers are today. Now, after I was just singing a sad song for first line leadership, I should note they get, are getting paid bank. Um, AE comp was up 5%, comp, compound annual growth over 10 years, they're up 5.5%. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, that's better than a 60-40 portfolio will get you. It's all right. Yeah. Um, it is a challenging but lucrative career. But like Kevin, you and I had talked like years ago, like mm-hmm. is, is a manager, should a manager get arsed if their number one rep out earns them? Your number one rep? Who cares? Yeah. You're, they're yeah. paying you. If they earn more <laughs> than you, great. That means you yeah. earned more. Yeah. They earn less than you, you earn less. That's how it works. Look, the way I always say that is you, you have a, you're a manager and you have reps that work for you that make more than you, then strap on a quota and get back on the phones, baby. Because <laughs> yeah. you're doing, you're doing, you're being, you're a manager for all the wrong reasons. If you don't want, if, if you have a problem with that, uh, you know, that uh, them out earning you. And at, uh, at some, one of my previous companies, we designed it in that way that a rep could, and the manager had to be fine with that, which made it very, very clear. If you were a rep and you wanted to be a manager, and if you had an issue with reps making more than you as a manager, then don't be a manager. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, so the, the logic was, but the, I mean, look Number at this, the, in, the income, look at the compensation for these people though. This is great. I mean, yes. this is, this is great stuff, but I hear what you're saying though. Because if quotas haven't gone up a lot, mm-hmm. we we better figure out ways that gross margins can can be expanded. If quotas aren't going up, and but comp it for the leaders and the frontline reps are going up, where's our gross margins coming from? All right, so so uh, daily activities m- much less interest in this than on the SDR side, but still, it's important to directionally know for the huge dollar sums I'm paying and the reasonable quota attainment they're delivering are my reps putting in sufficient effort. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't, a lot of people don't micromanage this, but you just want to know like how many, how many activities, how many attempts, how many touches is an AE doing a day? Mm-hmm. And 64 is the median. Um, and it is not super phone heavy, which is not, not all that surprising. If 
I would guess the majority of those phone are in outbound prospecting, trying to source my own. Mm-hmm. And the majority of email and LinkedIn are it, marketing or outbound SDR stuff, just following up, connecting that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But six, 60 activities a day might seem onerous to an AE, but if you ask an SDR if they could handle 18 dials a day, they would yeah. say before eight. Yes, I could do it before eight. Matt, so uh, you got a, like a three-minute uh, tip for us, for our I listeners. Do. I do. All right, let me ask you a question. All right. It's about some of the advice I see for testing. Everybody's about testing, like, you know, everybody's puffing up their chests. Yeah. Let's give me, give me a conversion rate on anything, an email, prospecting, somebody picks up the phone. Give me a number. All right. Raw lead to uh, closed one sale conversion rate. And you want me to give you the yeah, uh, number? Yeah. Five and a half percent. Five and a half. So let's say 6%. What's a reasonable improvement? Doubling, tripling, 20% improvement? Ooh, boy. Yeah, 20%. Well, that's what I think. 30, 30. 30. If to detect a 30% improvement off an initial baseline conversion rate of 6%, you need over 4,000 samples, 2,300 oh. per arm. Oh, shit. <laughs> so anybody you see on LinkedIn saying yeah. throw those in a list and AB test it does not know what they're talking about. Because you can't get the statistical You're not significance. Get, you just, just you don't have the power. A, hu- a human being is not doing 4,000 two-armed tests. It ain't happening. Matt, this is a draft. Thank you for sharing typos and all. I mean, the data is awesome. Uh, what, what, when are you guys publishing this? So I, we are shooting for at the end of the month. So let's say by the 1st of March. Okay. So this is seen here first. 100%. I think no one who doesn't have a bridge group email address has seen this yet, except for y'all. <laughs> so you're the first. You're bad. Thank you for sh- sharing this report. It hogged up all the time. You have a book that's out there. Could you clue us in quickly on the book? Sure. So it's, it is not for your listeners. It is for Salesforce nerds. And it is, I wrote it in 2016, I think, published in 2017. It was about re, so I don't know if you all remember when Salesforce debuted Lightning, the Lightning experience, like the new framework. It was about now is a good time to rethink about how you build sales development processes in Salesforce because you have to change everything with Lightning anyway. So now is a good time to go ground up, rethink your your Salesforce motion for sales development teams. So that's what my book is about. Got it. And what's well, the name man, of the book? Please show it again. <laughs> it is Lightning Sales Ops. When did I write this? Who knows? I was two, copyright 2017, so I actually wrote it in 2016 and 17, which makes me feel quite old. Wow. Don't worry. You're amongst friends. That's all right. <laughs> hey, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was amazing. Thank you all, guys. Hey, what's the best way for listeners to uh, learn more about you or connect with you? Sure. Hit me up on LinkedIn. There are two Matt Bertuzzi's. Strangely enough, they're both in Massachusetts. I am the one that looks like me and who has like sales and <laughs> sales development stuff in their bio. All right. We'll have all the links in, in the podcast notes. Hey, thanks for listening to the SaaS Holes. On behalf of Jamie, KG, and myself, Pete, we thank you for listening. And we ask that you give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our newsletter and the podcast notes. And you can always buy us a beer on Patreon slash SaaS Holes. Thanks so much for joining us. Cue the music. Music.